What about in Italy are you? Uh, I'm outside of Sorrento. And uh, my, my argument, at least, uh, is that uh, I've switched to espresso and I've got a, quite a few hours of phone calls left, unfortunately. But uh, uh, the wine, if I'm lucky, will come. And I would guess, and I don't want people to think that I'm paying attention to this, but something like two hours and 21 minutes would be my guess, roughly. Okay. Well, people don't really need to know when we're recording it, so it's, it's fine. Good and, you know, there is like... Good point. Good point. Uh, there is... By the way, from for the people that don't want to open Google Maps, where is Sorrento in Italy? Is that north? That's just uh, just north, just sort of the... It's south of Naples, uh, and it's the beginning of the northwest side of the Amalfi Coast. Beautiful spot. Beautiful spot. Amazing. And the food must be... Uh, be, beyond everything that uh, we know here, and I'm sh- I think so. And I'm lucky enough to be joined uh, here by one of our uh, uh, we call our customers the MGAs we support. We call them members. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. lucky enough to be joined here by uh, our our one of our members uh, from Rome. And um, it's amazing how the restaurant meal goes so much better when you have Stefano uh, ordering rather than me bumbling through with my sort of English-Spanish horrible mix. (laughs) Well, great, because you know that in Italy they speak uh, Italian. And when you start to talk with them in Spanish, they go like, no, 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 wrong country. Uh, uh, Well, (laughs) you know, you got to go with what you got, right? Um. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well... Well, you know, while, while I love to talk about Italy and I love to talk about Italy and Italian wine and there is a, you know, a, I drink coffee until I drink wine kind of a phrase. But, you know, mm-hmm. with all the jokes aside, um, let's talk a little bit about you before we jump into, into the company. How did you get into insurance? Uh, well, the classic question, how did I get into insurance? Um, uh, I came home uh, into my father's house uh, after laying sod. Do you know what I mean? The grass, right? And um, I was covered from head to toe in dirt. I, I had dirt in my ears, sweating. It was hot. And uh, sitting inside my father's kitchen is uh, Clem Dwyer, uh, an, an old friend of my father's and and of mine, uh, who worked at Guy Carpenter and company, the reinsurance broker. Mm -hmm. And he offered me, uh, he offered me a job, a summer job at Guy Carpenter making, I think $7 and 50 cents an hour. And, uh, I said, air conditioned, (laughs) no more dirt. I said, okay, fine. So that's how, um, now the reason Clem Dwyer was sitting in my father's kitchen is because my father, uh, was in the reinsurance business, Jerry Radke. Of course. So you're a second, a third generation uh, insurance or a reinsurance person? Second. second. Second generation. You know, yeah. it's like all the ways, the stories, and if we look on past episodes and people that I spoke with, it's like that you have second, third generation, and then you have folks like myself that came from uh, startups and big tech, although I had my few years through farmers insurance, so I was sort of conditioned into the insurance space. 
Uh, right. And it's fantastic because you have such a good merge and fusion between those two, especially when they're working together. And it's funny. It's, I'm glad. I'm glad you say that. I'm glad. I wasn't sure where you were going to go with that, but uh, you ended up exactly the way th we think about it, which is, um, you know, if if you're just regular insurance thinking, right, you're not going to mm -hmm. fix anything. You're not going to solve any of these problems. By the same token, if you're just about the tech or just about what dent in the universe you ought to make or you want to make without any of the practical or pragmatic considerations, you tend mm -hmm. not to achieve too much. But when you marry them together, which is a big part of our business, when you marry them together, it sort of uh, makes beautiful music. I, I think the Italians say that. And I I can't agree more because we've seen and I I really dislike, that will be a nice word for that, when people are like, oh, I'm coming to disrupt and we're going to do this. And it's like, dude, first of all, take a breather. We are not here to disrupt. We are not here to disintermediary inter intermediary anyone. Right. On the contrary, there is a reason why you have the agents or you have this or you have that. It's more about can you empower? Can you make the industry as a whole better? You don't need to boil the ocean. Here is a cup. Here is a, a spoon. Go and boil that and that will help everyone else. But so mm. that's that. Let's go back, talk about you. Mentioned a little bit of the members. So what what is Accelerant? Sure, sure. Well, Accelerant is a, is a business that is designed to match specialty underwriters up with risk capital, with the right kind of risk capital sources. Um, and that is a huge, huge simplification. But we get paid by the risk capital providers to produce and manage that portfolio of business. So what are we doing? What, what problem did Accelerant set out to solve? Um, we saw a trend in the market. Many other people saw the same trend where uh, specialty underwriters um, were more and more moving out and creating their own MGAs, MGA businesses in the UK and Europe and program administrators is how they're generally referred to in the US. Whatever you call them, what we were seeing is really talented people moving out of the big monolithic insurance companies and starting their own business. And I think that's a theme of the whole economy as technology mm -hmm. enables individuals. We think it's terrific. Um, but Accelerant observed that uh, the, best the best underwriters were becoming MGAs or program administrators. And the insurance companies that were able to serve them we're doing what we thought was a terrible job, just an absolute terrible job and not meeting the needs of the MGAs at all, not solving their problems at all. Uh, in fact, creating problems. So uh, Accelerant was born to say, we are going to, we're going to produce a stable of uh, uh, specialty underwriters that are, that's going to write a portfolio of business that we believe will be incredibly attractive from a volatility and a profitability standpoint. Mm -hmm. um, and what we're going to do is we're going to share that portfolio of business. Instead of keeping it all to ourselves, what we're going to do is we're going to share that with 
the risk capital providers for whom it's so valuable because of the diversification, right? It's not catastrophe heavy. It's not big severity. It's not refineries. It's not satellites. It's just nice, plain vanilla, small to medium-sized commercial business written in, I think it's 16 countries. I think it's, um, it's 178 different products. Um, yeah, it's, it's a really diversified portfolio. And when you put that into a typical reinsurer's portfolio, wow, it really has some nice characteristics. So anyway, that's what Accelerant tries to do. It tries to solve problems or challenges, both for the reinsurers and other risk capital providers that are Mm -hmm. being offered more and more and more cat and not much else. Right. And then on the other side of the equation, on the other side of our platform, we're trying to serve those specialty underwriters that have set out on their own uh, to to create their own businesses. And we're purpose built. That's all we do is support those MGAs and program administrators. So we don't compete against them. It's not like that department is less important inside Accelerant than any other department. We don't have any departments. We got one. We got one or none, I suppose. Um, yeah, so what, what we, uh, there's about 200 of us at Accelerant, and what we spend all day doing, uh, all day, is saying, how can I make an MGA uh, or a program administrator's life better, easier? How can we grow their profits faster? Um, and mm-hmm. equally, how can we grow the profits for the risk capital providers faster? And you take those two, if they're successful, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. We're very... Um, I would have never thought of this term, but I had this conversation with someone who called it other focused. We're very other focused. And I think that's true. And I think it might be one of our hidden strengths. I love it. I, I, I'm going to use that as well, other focus, because every every time that you talk with someone, it's like, what do you do? Oh, this is our focus, which is great, because finally you can understand what they're actually doing. But we're doing the other focus. That I love that. Otherwise, it's by focus mm. or by focus. But those are glasses. Um, I'm derailing us, so let me take it a little bit back because... You, you touched yeah. about a couple of things that are very interesting and why why insurance companies are, are not serving correctly the MGAs and the programs. Where, where did they fail or where do you see the industry now? Basically, you're serving the reinsurers, I don't know if you're dealing with uh, uh, securities as well, insurance type securities, and then you're working with the MJs. There was a need there. Something didn't work properly or not enough, not efficient enough. What was wrong? Yeah. Um, Well, first of all, first of all, it's incredibly presumptuous of me to to talk about someone else's organization and, and say what's wrong. So, so, I can tell you what my experience was, uh, where I worked. Let, let me rephrase it. It's not, let me rephrase it. It's not what's wrong. It, where did you see an opportunity to improve it on what existing? Yeah. Um, it was, uh, it was start with a clean slate, start with a belief and a complete focus around data, acquiring mm-hmm. quality data. And then there was this belief, which is really unusual. Um, we, how many, how many, uh, how many interviews or chats do you have where people talk about they have got an information advantage or an edge? They've got better data. 
than others. It's all about that. And then I really want to, do, to know what is their special data? Because people like to use, I have this data. And then it's like, okay, right. what is your data? How is that so, advantage? Is it the quality? So I hope you, I hope, I hope you don't get frustrated, uh, but um, everyone says that, right? Everyone yes. says that, uh, that I've got this edge. And uh, you know what we say? The exact opposite. We say the problem with the insurance industry mm -hmm. is the information asymmetries and the fact that the data doesn't flow. So the data is completely opaque and the, that opacity in that, in the insurance market is what causes is in our view a big cause of why it's such a poor customer experience i've used this analogy in the past but um there's an old joke about uh if you sit down at a poker game and you play two hands and you don't know who the sucker is um around the table it's you right yeah um i spent most of my career worrying am i at an information disadvantage from the other people around the table trying to transact. And mm -hmm. I behaved in some particular ways, right? And it turns out that someone way smarter than me, three people way smarter than me, won the Nobel Prize for Economics in 2020 for exactly this, which is how does the market fall apart? How does the market break down when there's these terrible information asymmetries? And I'll save you from reading what I have to tell you is a pretty thick uh, little uh, dissertation. And what they say is, until there's confidence that there's fair information flow, you have about two thirds of the optimal level of transactions. And man, does that thing does that just sum up insurance to me, to us at Accelerant? So we don't have an information advantage. You know why? We share every bit of information we have with everyone with the, the MGA and the underwriter and the member on one side and the risk capital provider on the other side, they are looking at the same analytical platform that we look at. And we think that's such a key tenet mm -hmm. that we're not, we're not trying to count cards. We're not trying to have an advantage on the house. What we want to do is we want to be fair and transparent. We call, <laughs> we call it aggressive transparency because people aren't used to it. Right. Um, so, Anyway, collecting that data and shoving it, really sometimes aggressively shoving it into the consciousness of both the members on one side and the risk capital on the other is is if there's a special sauce, that's it. That's half of it. And then the other half of it is really human stuff, right? Which is we are focused on one thing. I said before, we don't have any divisions. We don't. Right. And what that means is that we are we have the smallest number of silo thinking and acting that we can possibly make it. I, I'm sure we're not perfect. I'm sure we could do better. But um, there is no programs department inside Accelerant. There's no MGA department or division inside Accelerant. It's what we do. It's what we do all day, every day. And we're completely joined up. And that's a luxury of having really, really uh a clear focus, right? Now, if we were a 20-year-old company and 10 times or 100 times our size, well, I bet you we, we'd have a much more complicated kind of diversity of mm -hmm. businesses that we're trying to support. And that's not what we do. We do, we do one thing. We're pretty, uh, pretty, well, we're very, very focused. And that's an advantage. How do, how do you marry both of the sides of 
you know, your customers, right? Because the paying customer are the reinsurer or the risk uh, provider or risk consumer mm-hmm. buyers. How do, how do you define them? Well, uh, the risk um, capital for, providers. Yeah, yeah, then, for, for every product. Yeah, and then you have the MGAs, that, that's the other side of it. I'm sure MGAs uh, and other... How do you cater for both of those sides of, the, of your platform? Because of the transparency that I just described, right? Mm-hmm. Because of the close relationships and that, that really being in our one another's consciousness. Uh, each product has what we believe to be a fair return for the capital that supports it. And that fair return goes up or down with volatility, goes up and down with correlation, all that stuff that you know, right? Um, and I, I'm not saying that we're, you know, Solomon in, in our wisdom, but uh, we, have an ex, we have an appropriate return target for each product, for the capital mm-hmm. supporting that, that product. And we're prepared to give all excess value right, to the MGA that's producing that product, to the underwriter that's producing that product, if if that portfolio is producing more than a fair return, that should go to the member. And that's our philosophy. So then we turn to the risk capital providers and we say, here's our portfolio um, that we produced and we manage. And we feel like we're getting a fair return on each of these products. And we're happy to go through it in detail with you. Um, if you want to see the 385,000 policies we've got outstanding in the U.S., we can do that one by one by one, I suppose. Um, but uh, the, w- w- there's this notion of there's a fair return. And mm-hmm. in excess of the fair return, that goes to the person that owns the relationships and owns that business. And that's the member in our case. That is not acceptable. Do you have maybe a story about, uh, and uh, let me put the context before I'm asking the actual question. Most of the listeners are in insured uh, core investors or carriers. We have a very interesting, a very wide, like the industry itself, a very wide type of listeners or viewers, if you, if you like to call them. Um, do you have a story of an early stage startup, an early stage MGA that started working with you and what was the gap of knowledge of understanding that they had to overcome and that you helped them? Because as we mentioned earlier, we need to merge the, the people who are coming from tech with this brilliant idea and then, you know, marrying them to the insurance, uh, executive of a veteran that knows how the, how things operate, mm. but yeah. Do you have- and that sounds paternalistic and it doesn't feel that way with most of our members. It's, it's much more, uh, I would describe it as collaborative, but I do, I, I do mm-hmm. have a story that I'd like to use. Um, we've got an organization. Um, we've got, we've got an organization that, that, uh, came to us and, uh, through their technology, they're pretty darn good at embed what is, uh, I'm hurt here people call embedded insurance, right? They're pretty good at reducing the friction associated with that. And the other thing that they're really good at, and I can't say that they're a brand new startup, they're a relatively new company, but not a startup. Um, the, the other thing that uh, they're good at is they're good at understanding what their client, the owner 
of that distribution platform is really after, right? What, what, what are they trying to solve for their users? What they work great at is figuring out what the premium should be for this coverage. And I guess we probably have eight products with them now. And that's pretty, pretty consistent. You know, the, the only problem is we don't know what we should charge for this uh, because, because it's a brand new kind of coverage. So we can't look at history. And uh, what we try and do is to avoid what I would describe as the insurance industry's normal reaction is, hey, there's no history. We can't help you because that's not that's not true. Right. You can run an experiment. And, you know, you know, when you can't run an experiment, you can't run an experiment when um, when your company isn't completely joined up and you're in it one for all and all for one. Uh, you can't run it when you've got a different PL from other people inside the, the, the organization. You can't run it when you're in part of a silo because if the experiment goes wrong, right, the sharks come out. And well, your your listeners know. Your listeners know exactly what I'm talking about. So what we'll do is we'll run an experiment and we'll boy, we get it wrong in the beginning. You kind of guess, you know, what are the damages going to cost or how many of these things are going to be returned or how many will be delivered broken? Um, and I guess what we try and do is we try and have a realistic uh, uh, perspective, which is some early losses can be thought of as kind of marketing or product development, right? And then, and then we'll correct the pricing uh, and we'll end up back to what we perceive that fair return to be. Um, I, I really, I don't have permission to mention the member, member's name. Course, or no, I'd no, love no, to. No, no. I'm, I'm, incredibly, I'm incredibly proud of them, uh, of having them as a, as a member. But um, I really hope that if they were on this podcast, they would say great things about uh, doing business with Accelerant and how we're different than perhaps alternatives in, in the market because we're willing to experiment, uh, because we're not completely beholden to uh, a track record. Uh, where, you know, where's this track record uh, coming from? I can't proceed unless there, you have experience. Uh, we, we try to avoid those, those things. And, and the other thing is uh, um, Frank O'Neill, our chief underwriting officer, uh, it pains him when he says this, so I'm smiling. But uh, he he does say it. We try and default to yes, right? We try and find a way that the answer is yes. And if you start with that attitude, mm -hmm. it changes things, right? Of course. Let's let's find a way. Let's start with yes. Find a way. Yeah. The it, worst case scenario, exactly. it will not work. But start with a positive attitude, because I've seen so mm -hmm. many insurance companies, which has which improved over the years in terms of the mindset, they first of all start with no. Then slowly, they're trying to move to yes. And once you have that, you know, optimistic, that positive mindset, that creative building, constructive mindset, things starting to come together. Recently, you launched a flywheel re. Well, um, from the from the outset um, uh, of the creation of Accelerant, we thought a big part of our risk capital was going to come from reinsurers, and mm -hmm. another big part was going to come from investors, capital market investors, who yep. maybe they didn't even have any um, uh, experience or exposure in the insurance underwriting space, but we thought that they would view it as attractive, right? Um, 
you know the arguments. It's not correlated to interest rates. It's not correlated uh, to equity markets. It, it would appear to be a great diversifier for their portfolio. All that's great. But if all anyone wants to give you is Florida catastrophe business, I'm simplifying, oversimplifying for effect. Um, it, you know, that gets a little tiresome is what I hear from investors. So what we wanted to do is we wanted to find a way to to share our portfolio economics with uh, entities that were not licensed reinsurers and Flywheel Re uh, was able to do that for us. From our perspective, what do our members get out of doing that? Um, what do our members care about? Our members care about stable capacity for a long time period at predictable prices. Flywheel Re gives us long-term capacity at predictable prices, and we can pass that on to, to our members. Um, so again, other focused, right? You, you get find out what the risk capital needs and find out how to have that risk capital deliver value to the other side of the platform, to our members, to our member underwriters, um, and make it always self-reinforcing. Um, and of course, we couldn't help but call it flywheel re because that's what we think about all the time, right? How do we drive those network effects? How do we get the flywheel spin? That's right. That's right. I would have done it to be able to spend more time with Will. Uh, he's okay. one of my favorite people enough. in the world, the, the, the guy that runs it. Um, but uh, let me describe uh, let me describe that organization because it's just a perfect quintessential picture of what um, I think makes Accelerant's membership great. Um, Will knows more about poultry houses than anyone, I think, than anyone in the world. Certainly way a hundred times more than me. That's his business. That's his passion. He works with, I'm going to guess, I hope I get it right. He works with probably 10 or 15 colleagues that are perhaps, I don't know, 85% as, as excited about poultry house insurance as Will is. Uh, these guys are real experts, right? And what a team from loss control to every other aspect. Gosh, do they do a great job in their niche. Now, if you were a traditional underwriter, um, Hugh Burgess, our, our head of portfolio, talks about how everyone knows poultry business is terrible. The losses are terrible. You never want to do poultry business except for this poultry business because they've done a great job over multiple years. And what we did is we found, or I don't know if we found him or he found us, um, but we were lucky enough to get connected to this specialist who really knew his stuff and produced great returns. And so now we're able to support him in all sorts of ways, right? And we invested in his company because he wanted to do uh, to expand and, and grow his business faster than he could organically. We were delighted to help out, right? So we were able to help him with an investment. We were able to help him with long-term capacity. And I tell you, every month when I when you see his numbers come in, I don't get a chance to talk to him directly every month anymore. It's just, I mean, it does your heart good to watch someone making so much out of their business. Uh, you know, it had this potential and now it's really flowering. It's great to watch. So anyway, what made us interested in that in that investment? The people, mm -hmm. same answer as always. All we do is collect Science. management and underwriting teams, right? That's really all we do. 
and I get so excited when we find these these great guys, um, gender neutral. You know, we find these great teams of people, and it doesn't matter whether they're good at sports clubs in Spain or or poultry uh, poultry houses in the southeast of the United States. What's what's really gets you excited is they know their stuff. Mm-hmm. No, it's amazing. It's all about talent acquisition and good talent that that you can that will you know, that will make the business. It's, right. It's, and, it's, uh, and I go one further, or I think I go one further. What, what I think it's all about is finding a way to let talent be owners, right? And then mm-hmm. partner with them. So everyone at Accelerate is an owner, right? Everyone's very focused on, uh, the value that we create for for our members and for our risk capital partners and how that accrues value to accelerate. And I can tell you, I, I'm so lucky to work with this team of people that they're talented, they kill themselves, they're dedicated. It's just a spectacular thing because they're owners and they have an owner mentality. And you know what? Will and his team act like owners too, because they are. And boy, it makes a difference than if you're some you're an employee in some division. Now, I'm moving to a different topic, and I wanted to get your insight about it. What do you? Th- We've seen a lot of how can I say that in a nice way? Um, question marks or challenges for cyber insurance and getting capacity for that. What's mm-hmm. your What's your view on it? My view is it's incredibly hard. Uh, it's an incredibly hard coverage to grant because I don't, I'm not sure we know what coverage we're granting. Uh, we, the industry. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, we've talked to so many impressive teams of people that are trying to crack it and some that are doing very well, right? They're out there, they're writing a bunch of business and they've got capacity, et cetera. Um, it, 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 it strikes it strikes us and our risk capital partners as challenging for a couple different reasons. A, I'm not sure if we really know what the courts are going to decide the coverage is, right? Because you're going to apply tomorrow's mindset to contracts that are sold today. It's just mm-hmm. the way it goes, right? That's the first thing. And then the second thing is, um, you know, if I choose to insure two buildings in Florida, right, uh, I should at least know I did that. Right. And I know that I've, I've now got what we call an aggregation. Right. Or at least a risk uh, that a particular storm could hit both of them. Um, we don't feel like we understand the aggregation potential uh, and the fact that. I'm not sure that all cyber risks are going to going to remain independent in all loss scenarios. I think they start to become dependent. And as you know, you know, the whole theory of insurance kind of maybe not falls apart, but really is, is starts to struggle when it turns out they're not independent exposure units, but rather they're dependent or mm-hmm. uh, exposure units. Um, so th- those are the two reasons that that we're frankly not much more of a solution. Uh, and we've disappointed a lot of people that I think are really impressive, but that's why.
ITC is coming up soon. I hope that this episode will air before ITC. Any plans for InsurTech Connect or DM Unit? Yes, yeah. No, I, I really enjoy it. Um, with, other than the carpets, I'm not sure where the carpets come from. But The um, carpets? Oh, oh, oh the pay, carpets. Pay yeah. attention. Pay attention. They are really terrible. But um, no, uh, yeah, we're, we're looking forward to it. Uh, it, it uh, we found it. We found it over the past couple of years, really, really productive time, certainly enjoyable. Um, so I have no doubt that uh, that that'll continue. Um, I think there's two or three of us speaking on various panels, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, hope, hopefully we'll we'll be able to help someone out and, and refine their thinking and and make some connections and, and hopefully find other members uh, to support. I know we can continue talking about so many different things. So let me ask you the same question that I'm asking everyone. Can you give us a recommendation? It can be a book, a show, a life hack, a great place to go on vacation or work remotely because apparently, although you are in Italy, you are not really on a vacation. You're actually working from remote with better food. Shh. We we tell people we tell people that we're on vacation. You can't you can't say um, you can't say that we're not on vacation because you could t- we must be. We're in a white hotel room. Um, uh, yeah. So um, uh, recommendation um, that book over your as I look at it, your left shoulder. Uh, measure what matters. Yep. Um, boy, can that change an organization? Uh, in my in Accelerant's view, and I guess in my view, we use it like crazy, and I think it really keeps us focused on the important stuff um, and not not languishing in KPI land where you're measuring stuff. But who cares, right? Um, but measuring what really matters to your customers and to your risk capital providers, um, to your team. Uh, yeah, so I, that I feel a little bit like a cheater because I'm reading, I read the, I see the book on your bookshelf, but um, it has really helped Accelerant keep its uh, focus on what matters um, and keep our focus outside, external. Um, it's so easy to, uh, I'll use a sailboat uh, expression, a sailboat racing expression. It's so easy to keep your head inside the boat or inside your company where you're thinking about Sally and you're thinking about that and what should we do over here? And you got to keep in mind that all this matters for the people outside of your organization. And uh, we find that the objectives and key results really helps us do that. So uh, that'd be my one, that'd be my first recommendation. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. How about uh, a restaurant? No, that's enough. Uh, uh, hey, usually okay. it's a, one of on Archer Street. Okay. Bocadolupo on Archer Street. It's excellent. I will add to that, like any hotelinis, uh, anything, you know, I'm going to spend now six weeks in London. So I'm sure that I'm going to hit so many. Okay. Oh my God. Uh, the food there is amazing. It's a. Uh, Enjoy it. Yeah, I will. Okay. I was sure that you're actually going to geek out on me on, you know, on what type of, uh, uh, how you call that, uh, fishing rod and the type of wire you need for deep ocean 
uh, fishing and when is the best time to go to Costa Rica versus Baja California and all the, uh, Baja California, Baja right. in Mexico. It's a, they're all, a, it's all a good time to go, right? Tomorrow is always Tomorrow. a good time to go to any of those places. Tomorrow. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, no, uh, I'm, uh, I, I have to say, I enjoy it so much that none of that stuff matters to me, right? If, as long as you're out on the water, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm 92% uh, happy. Uh, all the other stuff is just sort of details. Wonderful. Jeff, it was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much for Indeed. joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. And as I said, I'll see you in Las Vegas.